Hello, folks. Welcome along once again to the Left Wing Back Show Live. We have two great shows coming up for you again tonight. We have the hurling show first coming up in a few moments' time, and then the football show will be kicking off at about 9.40, approximately. We have uh, a clatter of stuff to go through. Uh, both shows, incidentally, uh, are in association once again with uh, Solar Science, which reminds me, I was supposed to play with tonight to pick up a lovely backdrop for tonight's show. Uh, we still have a, a blank wall behind us, so... Um, Sorry, Nigel. I'll be out to you there tomorrow or the day after to pick up those and we'll have them for, for next Monday. But uh, thanks again to Solar Signs. Number one for your signage, gamma printing and embroidery, solarsigns.ie, the website. And you can get them on Facebook and on Instagram as well. So, yeah, what a weekend of action. Uh, we've uh, plenty to go through on our hurling show. We'll be uh, talking about Carlo's uh, very impressive win, it must be said, over Westmead in the Allianz National Hurling League. We'll also hear from uh, Katie Gary Murphy and uh, Catherine Kavna, part of the uh, Ashburn Cup winning DCU side yesterday. And uh, we're uh, going to be chatting to uh, Joe Nolan and Stephen Miller in a few minutes' time. At 9.40 on the football show, we'll hear from Carlos Senior Football Manager Niall Crew. Uh, we'll also be chatting to Gavin Whelan of... Um, He's a WLR fame, but he's also the Waterford and 20 football manager. So we'll be uh, touching base to see what's going on ahead of Carlos Clash with Waterford in the Allianz National Football League next Saturday evening. And we'll also be chatting to uh, Barkel Martin, who won uh, a very well-deserved uh, Club Coach of the Year award over uh, the past few days. Uh, don't forget, you can get in touch with us, of course. Just drop us a comment underneath the post. Uh, we're live on uh, Facebook and on Twitter and on YouTube. So don't be afraid to get in touch. Uh, John Olin, how are we doing? Great, Kevin, and you? Ah, sir, flying it, flying it. Love is in the air. Valentine's Day. Did you get her the uh, roses? <laughs> yeah, did you chase it? Did you? A box of sweets, all right, maybe. Yeah. Um, apparently, Stevie had to break the bad news this evening. He was unavailable. Apparently, Neve is getting wined and dined tonight. Is it? Well, I heard it was. Uh, you know, obviously, we know his profound love for uh, the quarry, but uh, you know, he's very much in love with Twitter as well. So I think there's a three-way love affair maybe going on here, maybe a four-way love affair to quote a text and Ernie song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, he couldn't make it. He, maybe he's just gone all romantic altogether. He probably had to bring yeah, it out for it. Could be, yeah, it could dinner. be. Yeah, yeah. It's um, in his nature, you know yourself. And it's probably a wise move because we could end up in the doghouse, of course, uh, for, uh, for going live on Valentine's Day. So anyway, however, we're here. Yeah. Uh, we also have Stephen Miller of Leash today. How are you doing, Stephen? Not too bad. Good evening from Port Leash. That's the same. Great to, great to have you in. <laughs> uh, owner, of course, of, of Leash today. And it's been a roaring success. Five years on the go now, I think, maybe six. Yeah, five, yeah, five years last week we had our fifth birthday. So we didn't do anything sort of special to celebrate the fifth birthday, even though like, we had cake and all that for our second and third and fourth birthday. But we're, you know, we're trying to keep the show on the road and these sort of uh, milestones are, they're important, but it's more important to, to, to keep uh, to keep things on the straight and narrow. Yeah, and uh, look, I know from, from doing the Left Wing Back podcast and indeed the Irish Rally podcast that these things can take over a little bit, right? So time management is, is important, um, but... You know, things are happening at all sorts of hours of the day, and sometimes it's hard to get away from it, isn't it? In fairness, ah, uh, look, it never stops. Like, um, you know, when I set it up five years ago, I could never, like, I was trying. You'd, you'd, you'd look back and you'd laugh at some of the things you thought would play out, um, and like, it just never ever stops. Like, and um, we've had, you know, different number of people on our team. It's really essentially down to a two-man team, myself and my colleague Alan Hartnett at the moment. But COVID is essentially over now, and things are like full steam ahead like every, everything is back to normal so like um we're stretched fairly thin but look we're, we're managing to keep the, the good side out so we'll uh, we, we can't look it's better to have places to go than uh, to be stuck at home all the time i suppose like you know that's it and i suppose you know in one sense the reliance on on media and digital media and everything uh, was never greater than it was during covid and stuff so like while a lot of people unfortunately and sadly were were probably quiet you guys were, were flat to the board because you were literally keeping people informed of what was going on when they couldn't even sure, go outside we the door. We, we, we were an essential service, sir. We we we, <laughs> we were <laughs> we were we were allowed to go where we wanted, like you know. Yeah. Uh, but no, 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 thankfully, very lucky. Like I, you know, COVID has been very hard for a lot of people. But in our business, okay, we've been hard and we've lost revenue and you know we've had you know lose staff and stuff like that. But for us, we were able to continue to go working, which was. Um, you know the greatest privilege of all and we didn't i was still able to go into my office still able to get okay, there was there was no matches at certain times but when the war we were the ones that were allowed to go to them um so like give out about a certain amount of things but over the last two years we were probably less affected than a lot of other people so we've in the overall scheme of things we've little to be complaining about yeah well yeah, look, just, uh, sorry on, yeah. sorry kev no just to chime in on that i 
I'm a big follower of uh, of the lads. I even wrote them a little email there one time. You're uh, just to compliment your, I think it was Talon, uh, just oh. your reporting. Um, yeah. We'd have a lot of lads, ex-students of mine, to be involved with clubs. And it's great to see, you know, the leash reports there, you know, fairly fairly rapidly after the match and just to keep an eye out for the lads that we would have had in the school and all. And it's brilliant. Just yeah. incredible. Brilliant service. Thanks, Joel. I remember getting that email. We'll try and keep... And like, we would like, you know, it'd be an interest in Carlo stuff, like and like the Carlo GA, we'd have a huge interest in. I know I'm sort of barred from Dr. Cullen Park, but we, if, you, if you get that lifted, lads, you might, you might put in a good word for me. <laughs> yeah, I think you had a bit of difficulty there, Wally. Um, yeah, the two, two press boxes isn't ideal, I suppose, for a start, you know. But, yeah. No, no, no. Anyway, look, we're, not, we're not actually barred. The, the funny thing is, was the Carlo audience would enjoy this. One of the stewards gave us a bit of grief about 10 minutes before a match and tried to move us. And like I said, look, it was here about an hour ago. You could have moved us then. I'm not moving now. And I was quite indignant. But uh, he, he got quite taken. He sent for the guards, and the guard that arrived happened to be from Cretty Yard. So the chance of us being getting in any, any trouble was fairly minimal. So we, we escaped <laughs> at that point. That was just before yeah. COVID, and I haven't been back since. But we're not actually barred, but we sort of we make, we make a bit of a joke about it. But yeah, um, it could be a relationship building exercise then <laughs> for the next one. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you're putting well, a good word for us. Yeah, well, listen, the county, the county chairman is half a, a leash man now, anyway, that's whether he's nice, limited yeah, or not. So nice, yeah, yeah. Uh, that might be that might be a good thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, look, lads, um, we're going to delve into obviously later on in the program. Uh, we'll be chatting about uh, Carlo versus Westmead in the Alliance Hurling League, and uh, we're going to turn our attention to Camogie. But um, I suppose, as I was saying to, to Stephen off air, Joe, like last year when we were doing all these club games, it was very hard to kind of focus on other things. But given the fact that there is maybe only a couple of games to, to cover every weekend. It does allow us the opportunity to chat about different things that's going on in the GA, which obviously started last week with Pamela Hayden, and we got great insight into refereeing and stuff. But this week, obviously, kind of brings about a different topic. So uh, last Thursday, John Fogarty wrote an article in the Irish Examiner. So it was on the base, uh, I suppose, about Castlenock. And I'll read out the full article, actually. It's the handiest thing to do, because it's not a long one. So it says, Castlenock GEA Club have decided that all of their adult club teams will be managed on a volunteer basis from next year. In a refreshingly frank and open move, the club's executive earlier this week made the call that will come into force across the board for the 2021 season. And then there's a quote. The executive at a meeting on the 19th of October 2020 decided that all adult club teams will be managed on a volunteer basis. And that's a statement on the Castlenock website from that time. They add that management positions are also open to non-members who are willing to contribute. The executive will appoint all management teams based on the recommendations of two subcommittees put together to oversee the selection process. A subgroup has been established for both the adult female and male sections of the clubs and will be chaired by the adult uh, games chairman in each part and will include the club chairman and two other members. Input from players is the first part of the phase, as well as consultation with outgoing management teams and other members who want to be involved in the 2021 teams. The statement continues, members who are aware of non-members who would add value to the management of teams and are willing to engage with the club should feed those names and contacts into the process. And then there's another quote from uh, the website again. In the engagement phase, members can submit their views by email or by requesting a meeting through Zoom. These views can be either individually based or by team and will be treated as confidential. And the club executive are allowing two and a half weeks to complete the first phase, after which the subcommittees will meet with prospective management teams to discuss their plans. The subcommittees are also empowered to speak to other possible management teams should they see fit to do so before a recommendation is made to the club executive. Last paragraph then, it's obviously home of the Dublin football star, Kieran Kenny, which we all know, great hurler as well. And obviously that club is regarded as one of the most progressive dual clubs in the capital, having only been established in 1998. And now it has over 1,500 members. And the senior footballers did reach the county final four years ago. I remember that one, at that one, actually. Uh, won Leinster Junior only in 2012, and both footballers and hurlers claimed uh, county junior and intermediate county titles in the past decade, while the club has also won three national failed titles. That's an article on the Irish Examiner from John Fogarty, a fine writer, if I do say so myself. So it brings about this discussion then, and the use of, um, uh, I suppose, resources and finances within clubs. And is it a good thing to always maybe tie in with, look, part of that expense is obviously coaches, if they, if they come in from a different club, right? And it's called expenses. It's payment, really, yeah? It's just worded differently. So, Stephen, I suppose, uh, I, I will come to you on this first, right? So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you might have actually spoke about this briefly on the Leash Today Talking Sport podcast, but in general, where, where do you kind of stand on, on this? Are, are we... Um, you know, resourceful enough, I suppose, in GA clubs, or are we kind of a little bit too keen on maybe 
I don't know, looking for something outside and always thinking that's the right thing to do. And obviously there's a lot more than management bring in, in this whole argument. So what do you think? Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's like a lot of things. It doesn't operate in straight lines. There's a lot of variables feeding into it. Now, like at its core, I have, I'm uncomfortable with payments and huge payments to managers, be they outside or be, where they're from. Like we are an amateur association, like we're either amateur or we're not. Um, it's easier said than done. Like Kilku won the All Ireland Club final at the weekend, and they were, they were steered home by Mickey Moore, and from, from it wasn't even from their county. He's, you know, he's from Derry. He came over like they wouldn't, they would not have won their Ulster titles, All Ireland titles, without Mickey Moore. In Leash, like Port Arlington, have won the last two championships in a row brilliant group of players talented maybe a little bit volatile up until a couple of years ago and and and, and the man they brought in was from gracefield you know a neighboring club but across the border in offley martin murphy you know at the right hand of the tiller and he guided them home would other managers have won it maybe like we don't know but like he definitely was the one that steered the ship home and has them at back-to-back league senior football champions so there's no real right and wrong way but i absolutely commend castle lock ga club for taking this stance because They've had six managers in the past six years. I take it they were probably after paying all of them, you know. Um, there's it's a serious black market out there, you know. Like I, I remember doing the 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 maths on it in leash, let's say, and trying to figure out annually what the the club management scene is worth, like how much actual cash is moving under the tables from various managers to. And I'm not like like the physios and even maybe strength and conditioning guys. They they can declare a lot of it, but I'm not so sure how much 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 is actually like you know it's in the line of work for for physios and uh you know gym owners that might be with a team or whatever so i am a bit uncomfortable especially you know i served as my own club treasurer for a couple of years as well and you see the money going out and like how sustainable is it like and i know i do know of a club manager in leash who got the guts of 18 20 000 one particular year achieved very little of note a year or two before it they had their own guys in charge and got to a county final Sure, those guys got very little for it. Like, you know, so you have to wonder where is the value in it. So I absolutely commend Castle Knock for the moves they've taken. I'd say it'd be a bit painful in the short term because there'd be no outside manager will go near them for a start, or very few, like, or unless you get an ambitious young guy that says, Hold on a second, right, I'm not going to get anything for this, but Castle Knock are a decent setup. If I got them to a senior semi-final or a senior county final, it's a feather in my cap, and then maybe someone else would you hear the money that's supposedly circulating in the Dublin clubs, it's absolutely astonishing. And for what like? You know, it is an amateur association. Even if they do win a Dublin Championship or a Leinster in Ireland, and it costs some crazy money, but I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't see the. I don't see the the return on it. And there are other ways. Like, if you you give me a choice to spend twenty thousand on a manager for a year, or twenty thousand maybe developing a second pitch at the side of your facility or something that will give long-standing benefit. Like I know at least, I'm not not 100% sure if Carlo is part of this project from the Leinster Council where you can get a a full-time coach in your club and it costs 20,000 for the year, or you can split it with a neighboring club and it'd be two clubs involved for 10,000 or three clubs for six and a half thousand each or whatever. Tell me that 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 is a far better use of, of, of money that is hard earned or hard raised in clubs. So I commend Castle Knock for it. I think they'll, they'll have a lot of pain to endure in the short term. But, you know, like the GA is a copycat world. If if Castle Knock were to go well and everyone knows their stance on it now, there'd be clubs all over the country following that stance. And it's easier said than done. And I know Joel have views on this as well. You know, if you're from a small club, you may not actually have the people. You know, you may not have anyone suitable to taken over. But in the likes of Castle Knock, in the Dublin clubs, in, you know, the, the town clubs, if they don't have somebody fit to take over, then it raises serious, serious issues about what they're doing down the ranks with their underage teams and their under sixteen and minors and so on. So, and if that's the case, the far bigger problems than what can be solved in one year paying a paying an outside manager. Joe, <laughs> Steve, you hit every nail in the head. I don't think I've all failed to add. I think I think you really summed it up brilliantly there. Um, I suppose my big worry, it wasn't to with outside, I suppose it's outside managers and connections and costs, I suppose, is what I'm looking at as well. And you talked on a lot of things there in terms of, um, you know, in terms, I suppose, from a monetary point of view, you know, is sustainable even at club level. I mean, we've seen that at inter-county level there two years ago, we're up on 30 million now in terms of at inter-county level in terms of our spend. And and you know yourself, and you mentioned there from being a club treasurer and I was a club secretary and been around clubs as well for a while and committees and so on um that the costs involved and um you know i i don't know in some clubs is sustainable um 
especially a lot of rural clubs. I was looking, you know, I think in some of the Dublin clubs, why it is such a big, I suppose, why it's such a big um, carrot for to dangle is because of the money that they're bringing in, you know, in terms of their membership alone. Uh, the average membership in Dublin for an adult player is well over 200 euros. You know what I mean? For a playing member, juveniles aren't far off it as well. So there's a bit, there's a lot of money spiraling around there. And then as a result, like you said, the money that's available to spend on on management teams is, is massive. Um, uh, yeah, I suppose I I, I do have, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know whether it's sustainable. I mean, we talk about equity in terms of spending in GA as well. And, you know, if, if we look at our clubs and, and I mean, like you said yourself, from your own experience as a treasurer, in terms of, uh, you know, wh- where's the balance, like, you know, in terms of our in terms of our membership and where the spend is in our clubs? I mean, you know, hand on heart, definitely our senior or adult teams are by far and away the most costly teams to run. And, you know, you can imagine yourself, you know, you know without, the, without the other members paying in, you know, it's in your own sense, like sometimes in some clubs, nearly like a pyramid scheme, where the underage, a lot, the underage is kind of supporting the, the senior setup in terms of bringing money in. And I, like, I know clubs will come back and say, well, geez, our senior team does X and does Y, and we have a special sponsor for X and Y. But in general, a lot in a lot of clubs, it, it, the, the juvenile is propping up the senior in terms of the costs. And I suppose I, I would have a worry about that. You know, we're on about balance and fairness and costing and, you know, and, and trying to be equal to all our members. And it just makes me, it would sometimes make me a little bit uncomfortable in terms of our spend. Um, I suppose from another area as well there about the idea of um, developing, you know, I, I think you have to develop um, coaches from within. You know what I mean? I think we have to as clubs. Um and I think our, our sometimes our fascination with going outside, you know, as a fix, uh, you know, is, you know, right. In some cases it works, a lot of cases it doesn't. Um, I suppose, we, you know, I suppose, look, there's lots of very, very good coaches and, and people out there who, who do have the development, the longer term development of the club, you know, in, 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 in their minds. But then there's a lot that don't. I mean, I was reading an article there about Conal Keeney, you know, one of the best jewel stars Dublin ever produced. And he, he wrote about, you know, he that the outside manager comes into his club and, you know, he's on X per night or whatever he's on a night and he gets him to train six nights a week. And Keeney turns around and he says to him, you know, well, you know, I'm up at six o'clock in the morning, you know, whatever my job is. And he kind of questions Keeney's commitment to his club and to the cause, like, you know, and it's, you know, it kind of, Stuff like that would make me uncomfortable. Now, I know for every story like that, there's, like I said, there's hundreds of very good people um, who are working with clubs that aren't their own. Um, but I just don't, I, I think as a model, it's not sustainable um, in terms of, you know, we, we need to be able to develop that expertise from within. Um, you know, and I know you mentioned there about the likes of, say, Port Harrington bringing in a, a, an excellent manager or whatever at senior level. But I, I would always say, like, those, those players had to be developed from within. Do you know what I mean? In terms of, while the senior manager has a couple of years to work and, and develop those players, there's been 16 or 18 years of mm-hmm. development, skill level, whatever has gone into those players already. So there is obviously some expertise or expertise in that in your own club. And it's the idea of maybe, I suppose I would see in terms of developing that within your own club, de- developing that expertise within within your own club. Um, but I suppose like, uh, you know, you, you, you made a couple of very good points. I mean, you know, um, I, I think I just don't think it's sustainable at club level even anymore. I think that, you know, I, I think our focus sometimes is is wrong. I, I, I loved your point there in terms of the GDA. Like we're, we're on about young people and losing young people to our game. You know, you, you, you losing youth and losing youth and losing youth. And we're wondering why, you know what I mean? But kind of when it comes to looking after the under 16 team, well, it's Jesus, right? Who can we get? Scratch around, see who we can get, bring in someone, you know. Right, there's lots of good people, obviously, as well, but it's a bigger task. Whereas, you know, even going off and we hunting for the, the senior manager or whatever else, you know, there's a lot more money involved. There's more, whatever you want to call it, involved in terms of, of, of what we put into them. And we're wondering why we're losing, you know, our, our youth maybe further, further back. And I, I loved your idea there in terms of, and you, you really laid it out in the line in terms of our GDAs, in terms of the club's ability. We talk about the Dublin club's ability to, you know, have their own GDAs. And it's great. They're, they're absolutely right. They're bringing in big, they're bringing in good revenue, fine, but they're spending it in terms of why they're keeping, you know, wh- why they're keeping that catchment area going and how they're promoting it. Is it better money uh, spent in terms of, you know, two clubs going together, even two rural clubs going together? 
in terms of piling and putting their money together for a couple of years possibly you know we have small we've fallen numbers in a lot of rural clubs so we need every player that we can get and i need to keep them involved keep our teams vibrant so like you know is it regressive to, to do that as a club would it be would it be the right thing to do to take a step back like castle lock have from a, maybe a financial point of view and and look at where our spend is and and maybe put it into into a gda or into you know step it back a little bit I possibly would think so, yeah. If it was my thinking, I'd say I'd say some of the the the, the and there are some good journeymen. I know journeymen yeah. is a term that is bandied about. Like Mickey Moore has been with loads of teams and has brought success everywhere. Par, um, the the man that was from from Clare and Offaly that was over Parry Pierce's from Roscommon, Pat Flanagan, like he's Pat brought Flanagan, success yeah. to a numerous like, clubs counties. Luke Dempsey is another. Yeah. Guy. I think he gets a bit of a bad rap sometimes. He's had success nearly everywhere he's gone, or he's improved teams at at all levels, clubs, schools, the whole lot. Like I had a quick one. Like I heard of a, a, a the, the real bad the journeyman that gets a real bad name. He he was over. Uh, he was he he was suggesting to a guy like yeah. Um, he's always on the circuit, different team in different counties every year. And he was suggesting to a guy, you you should get in the circuit. It's just great money to be got. Like you know. And so you should do. You go off and get a county like Leitrim or Longford. It could be bet early, and you could have a good club team on the go as well. You could have two teams on the go. Like you know, and that attitude is out there with uh, with. And your man was absolutely shameless in saying it. And the guy who was saying it. It was like aghast at his attitude, like, um, but there are, uh, um, but but I think small clubs, and I'm from a small club myself, like, where, where you can be caught, you know, if you're amalgamated at underage level, all of a sudden you're only putting one person forward for the under 12s and one person forward for the under 14s, where the bigger clubs might have three people from their own club involved with each team, and their base of coaches from within their own club is going to be bigger straight away. So you have to get one senior manager out of every 10 selectors or whatever that is put forward like it's much smaller where it's in the smaller clubs and the smaller clubs can be their own not just smaller clubs but all clubs can be their own worst enemies at time they go out to get an outside manager he comes in there can be a bit wide-eyed and there's a lot of outside managers that don't really know the lie of the land that that well and um, they spend the first year getting to figure things out the year is over and then they've been deemed that it was no good it was a waste of money and they just move on to the next one and the whole cycle repeats itself over and over again and if there's anything that is incredibly demoralizing for clubs is paying a manager that is no good you know like you're after handed over serious money over the course of the year and said jeez like it's it's soul destroying if you're going to pay, you're nearly as well point to pass the no point past the point of no return. You want to be getting the Mickey Morns of this world rather than uh, so, so, some guy, or else go on the bottom and take a risk on a, on a sort of an up and coming guy. But if you're paying paying something out and you're you're not getting value, you're sure sure one of our own would absolutely have done as well, or or if not better than that. And you're after wasting your your thousand. So look, it's at, at the end of the day, Stephen. At the end of the day, only one person can win the title. Every mm. other has it, you know. Isn't that it? Like you mentioned, oh, there, about, and like about you what's want... worth. I mean, is yeah. everyone else then? Is everyone else to do a, a, a what do you call it? I won't say a failure or whatever else. Like, I mean, you have to look at things in terms of development. Like, I always think, and I, I can't think of the quote there now, but it was to do with Joe McDonough, the former president who passed away, and he was on about. I put it up a couple of times on Twitter. It was just about developing the person. You know what I mean? That we're more the organization. The organization is more than, you know, than what happens the on the pitch. Of, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the success of the club. It's about developing people. And and we don't ever we don't ever recognize the progress you only recognize the the success and often yeah. success can come like a team could win a championship and not be at the, the peak of their powers and there could be a team that gets to a semi-final absolutely overachieving the but 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 they're not the, you know that that, that manager recently well, only got them to a semi-final he won nothing or whatever like it, it, it again it doesn't work in straight lines unfortunately there's two yeah. points i'd like to make on it right and then we'll move on to the next topic or whatever but the first thing is all these lads that are going to other clubs are from home clubs themselves, right? So you, you think to yourself, why aren't they staying in their own club, right? So they're, they're good enough to go to every other club and, and do this and do that. So why are they doing that, right, first of all? I think it's maybe it's a bit of a rhetoric, but we're hearing of, of wild things where there's vacancies in clubs and lads are going up maybe to, to Dublin or somewhere up the country and getting a fog of money while their own club are looking for a manager and then they go down and get someone from Tipperary or get someone from Limerick or something, right? So that's one thing. And then I think the second thing is, what is the alternative then? So are we looking at a situation where, okay, yeah, professional has been named or has been mooted, I suppose, the equal professional, or do you put a cap on the expenses you can pay someone? Now, when I say expenses, I mean expenses, quotation marks, right? Because we know it's payment. 
are are there reasonable alternatives or how does that change or should that change yeah well it's very hard i suppose very hard from i mean it's, it's very hard in terms of the, the, the expenses thing or whatever you want to put on it like it's it's you know like what was that quote that was it a or peter quinn about you know about the payments under the table he says i can't even find the table you know what i mean <laughs> where there's a will there's a way like unfortunately in the ga like in terms of all that so that's that's hard regulator look it's very, look we call that call a spade a spade in terms of that like and uh um you know i think that's that's a big gray area isn't it like you know well it's 40 or 50 years happening where managers are getting paid right it's not like it's happening in the last 10 years it's probably become more prominent in the last 10 15 years and fees are probably gone more prominent as well like much more prominent and we're hearing mad stuff like steven you've mentioned figures already yeah but like i don't want to be like the diola that sits in the committee and says ah sure that'll never change right because i always think that if there's um if there's reason for it and if there's a positive mindset and a willingness and a kind of a maybe a, a persuasive thing to get people to change slightly then things can change right i always believe that but you do have stumbling blocks. This is a difficult one. You know, and I would still have the question, could you see a situation where there is a change, apart from the inevitable, which is going to happen, I think, and it's going to go semi-pro or something? I would like, I don't, at club level in that, I, I think it's like, as as Joe said, like it's it's the horse is well and truly bolted in terms of payments and that. Like I think it, it does come down to and, and things do go through in phases. I guarantee you, if if Castlenock are if Castlenock were to win a championship and everyone knows what their attitude to pay managers is, that will catch on. It absolutely will catch on because there's a huge copycat um, culture in in the GA. Like you can't like it's up to the clubs themselves. Like. I, I don't i'm not against the uh, it, it can't be against you know people wanting to be involved with teams and there is a limited you know if you're from a club and you you want to get coaching a team or you want to get involved there may be no opportunities within your own club so you have to start at the bottom of the ladder and, and maybe take a junior team somewhere or you know start somewhere that isn't you're if, if you if the only opportunity you have is to manage your own club so that'll rule out a load of people it's it's too straight jacketed um so you can't be doing that and you can't be denying um people with ambition opportunities because that's that's that, that, that would be worse but i that's where i think the only approach um is is the is the is the castle lock approach um like i, I think in leash like over the last good few years the, the, the cost of increasing or cost of preparing county teams was increasing by about fifty thousand a year it was up over eight hundred thousand for the all the county teams it would be your three county football teams minor under 21 and senior and the uh, in hurling and football and like it was going up fifty thousand a year, and yet we're probably further than ever from competing or, or contesting for Leinster championships. So like, again, what will happen? It'll be like you know the famous film and book Moneyball, where like some club comes in and does it on the cheap. That'll catch on in some county. Like some county will win in All Ireland in hurling or football, and the, the narrative will be, oh, we did it in house, and we had you know such a guy didn't take anything, and the, we had selectors involved, and. You know, or we, we box clever with, with physios and we had physio interns. And we, you know, it, it, it'll become fashionable to be thrifty at some point. Mm. Um, and, 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 and the one that is the first in that, that regard, they could well be onto something. You know, who, yeah. like nobody has, has um, defined, and maybe it's easier said than done, what value, especially at county level, all the additional layers of expense bring. You know, the easiest thing in the world is for an inter-county manager to say, oh, we can't do without it. Um, and you know they're going to the and the county board in various counties are the worst in the world for not giving them these things. But it's very hard to quantify it. And the, the will I, I reckon there will come a time when a county manager will will become a champion of being able to do things on the on the cheap. And uh, you know every county board in the country and every club officer in the country will point to these fellas. And and, and it will happen. I think I think one thing. Sorry, Stephen, to cut across you there was there was a tweet up about it from another podcast. Uh, uh, <laughs> you, you might know who to be connected yeah. to your own part of the woods, but uh, he was name yeah, it if you want. That, well, yeah. sure, Colin Parkinson. Like he was aghast that you know this was nearly a joke. Like that this was that this is what Castle Lock were going to do. If you know what I mean, and you know, I, yeah, I don't know. It did that kind of didn't sit easy with me. I suppose in terms of I know he was maybe only flipping the quote, but there was a few you know yokes underneath it from others, and you'd be just kind of wondering like Jesus, like you know, like it's not. It's not that big a thing they're trying to do. They're trying to maybe develop from within or whatever else. And 
you know, like you said, you, you have to kind of change somewhere. I mean, it's not, it's just not sustainable. And, and once the unfortunate thing is like, um, and again, this is a broader sense, it's not maybe to do with payments and managers, but it's maybe money in the GA. Like the, the reality is like, you're a bigger county, you have more money, you know, and that's the reality. And, and, and you're a bigger club, you have more money. And if you're looking at, say, I was reading about Kevin McStay, who was managing the Roscommon football team, and he was on about being to the pin of his collar to keep the county budget for a week at 15 grand. That was back, and he had to bring this, and he said he'd be at the pin of his collar to keep it, to run the senior football team in, in Roscommon for 15 grand a week. Like, that's the reality where inter-county, inter I know we're kind of jumping on a little bit, but in terms of spending, where spending is going in the GA, I think it went up 11 or 12% there in 2019, the year before, just on a shy of 30 million. Like. So it's not sustainable. And, uh, and we see where clubs uh, club now is mimicking. It, you know, we always talk about the training that club players now are doing. It's, you know, akin to maybe seven, eight, ten years ago at inter-county level. But so now is the spends, if you get me, coming along with that. The costs involved uh, with it as well is starting to increase as well and i i just be worried in terms of you know it's not sustainable and if you if you do let it continue the gaps the gaps do get wider you know what i mean the yes. gaps are going to get wider and that's that's just that's going to be the reality and we i suppose we you know we have to, every every smaller county and then once they include yourselves in that leash as well but we have to accept that you know what I mean? And but like it's 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 the equivalent of an arms race that you really don't have an opportunity of winning. Like you know, you have to keep yeah. up with the Dublins, the Limericks, the Tipperaries, the Kerrys of this world that are huge counties, huge financial backing, um, and you know you're, you're like well, Kerry are spending a million a year on their county teams. We should be spending a million a year. Well, even if we do spend a million a year on our county teams, you know, it's uh, it's not going to close the gap. Like you know, so. Mm. Um, it's 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 a really really tricky one um, and like i would never ever you know i have huge respect like I, I would say managing a lot of teams cost people money and i would never begrudge yeah. anyone who, who gets their phone expenses or yeah. are looked after fairly well and, and and a lot of it is just respect goes a long way but um like and I don't, I'm not are Castle not saying they're not going to give expenses or anything and you know more power to them if they are but like I've never grudge a lot of phone you know yeah. to, to make all the phone calls that have to be made um or, or like you, you know, said as well Stevie like the those with um, expertise say like you mentioned strength and condition people who are doing long term work mm-hmm. you know what I mean. I was just going to say that, right? Ter- so, ter- terms of sorry to jump across, physio, Joe, like. but that's that that's very different because someone has gone and trained. That's professional in that. That's what I said, Kevin. That's what I'm saying. They deserve. Like yeah. they, that's their part of their job. That's their work. Yeah. Working with and the teams. SNC. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly that's it. Was... They're working with teams. Yeah. yeah. The only thing I'd say on that is, like, have you ever heard of an SNC guy that isn't highly rated? Every SNC guy is said to be highly rated. <laughs> because I don't know, like, I think it's sort of a moniker that goes with them. And, yeah. uh, you know, the, the other thing, like, I'd say there are chartered physios out there who have spent, uh, you know, a couple of years in university learning the, the, the profession or whatever, and, and they're, they're looking at some of the, the physios that are on the club circuit that are getting uh, that are getting financially immersed. I know there's physical therapists and there's different things that you can classify uh, things, but the GA the financial uh, maneuverings is a, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a black industry of the highest degree. Hmm. So look, lads, uh, I suppose we'll have to leave it there. We're after debating it fairly well. Uh, I didn't hear a concrete alternative as such. Um, I don't know. Is there one out there? If anyone does have one, maybe, you know, send it into us, comment underneath. Uh, our email address is leftwingbackpodcast at gmail.com. We'd be interested to see, what your thoughts are on it and and i suppose an alternative really because we've yet to we've yet to kind of hear one um and, and just see what the what the story is steve miller it's been a, a privilege having you on um we'll chat to you again soon and uh, no doubt we'll see you uh, with a ball hopping over uh, over on war park during the, the summer i suppose maybe late into the autumn as well no problem thanks for having us lads thanks a million so we Thank say goodbye you. to uh, steve miller um Okay, on the hurling show now, we're going to uh, turn our attention to yesterday's Allianz National Hurling League encounter between Carlo and Westmead. So, Joe, you were in at this. Um, I was on commentary duty myself with, with James Hickey for local radio station. And, um, yeah, pleasantly surprised, I, I think, is is the way I'm going to put it. Um, not so much in that Carlo won, right? I think that was a, a fairly reasonable chance. But 
the manner of victory and and maybe the margin of victory as well. So uh, 120 to 114 is how it finished up. But really, uh, a goal in injury time took the bad luck off it a little bit for uh, Westmead. So, yeah, I think myself and James beforehand were saying, particularly in the middle third, we would very inexperienced chaps in Conor Keown, Chris Patrick, come up against Cormac Boyle, who we would have saw at Intercounty, the minor level, actually going back all them years. And he was joined by uh, like Angus Clark, might have went back centre-back, but he was in around that that kind of uh, middle third or whatever, right? So we said, right, that's a lot of experience come up against a lot of youth. But that battle was won by by Connor and Figre, in my, in my opinion, anyway. And I just think it was the closest thing to a, a complete team performance that, that I've seen from Carlo in a long, long time. And adding the fact that there's no Marty Kavanagh and John Nolan, I think it speaks volumes, really. Yeah, agree, Kevin. Um, yeah, first off, I suppose going in, um, you'd be kind of saying, right, this is going to be touch and go because you couldn't be really, you know, you, you couldn't be judging off the Kyo Cup in terms of, as a result, it was kind of, you know, it was a dead game. There was no biting it. And both teams were kind of putting in and putting out, lads, kind of shadow boxing ahead of this game. So I suppose we, we, we kind of got to see the the two two real teams going at it uh, on Sunday. And um yeah, there was no, there was no doubt about the result. Uh, I, I thought from, air, you know, from early doors, I really thought. I suppose we were lucky. We, we played with the breeze in the first half and um, established a, a good lead at half, at just coming into half time. And uh, I suppose we outscored them in the second half as well, which is a, a point of note as well. Barring the goal, I think you know what I mean. At the end, it, it kind of, it, it kind of put a put a good, uh, a good look at the end of it. But yeah, I suppose the, we we kind of t- chatted there beforehand about you know the, the positive, the big positives from the game and. Um, you mentioned there the youth around the middle. Connor Connor Kyo and and Fake Fitzpatrick were were just outstanding. Um, I suppose I was thinking back there. I suppose one of our last midfield, you know, kind of steady duos that we had for a good while were Shawnee Whelan and Jack Kavanagh. You know what I mean? Two lads who would mm-hmm. who would go all day and work all day and hit anything that was going. And I think Faker and Connor, like for two young lads, they just dominated the area. Um, I think uh, I think they got three points between them as well from play. Um, just completely masters of the area, brilliant. You know, kept going to the end. Uh, they're tracking, they're work rate, they're hooking, they're blocking in around there. Uh, they, they made it absolutely a, a war zone there for for Westmead. And um, of course, not forgetting yet John Dial as well. Then you know John, another young man at wing forward who was very, who was very impressive. Good hand, you know what I mean. Um, instrumental in a lot of our good play. Jack McCullough at wing back, you know. So there's a lot of youth there. Dean Tobin as well, and obviously as we, as we, as we said before. So there's a lot of youth there, you know, and, and a lot of big, a lot of big changes, and, and lots of lads, you know, and they really stood up to it, uh, really, really stood up to it, um, and I, I think that was one thing that probably impressed me um, was the level of our physicality. I think we dominated uh, Westmead. Um, I didn't, I didn't think we gave them a foothold in the game. Um, you know, we, we absolutely everything was put under so much pressure. I mean, I, 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 I'd like to look back at the stats of the Westmead in terms of their possession around the middle and their poke outs, especially um, the pressure we put on any of their, you know, Westmead were, were kind of one dimensional, I thought, I suppose, in one way they kept, you know, wanting to work the ball. I know a lot of teams do it, but they were working, trying to work everything so short, either with or against the breeze. And we absolutely put so much pressure on their striking, uh, you know, on their passing. And we got we got a lot of turnovers. You know, I think we got a couple of points off their goalie alone and he put a couple of balls over the sideline as well. So our setup was really impressive as well. Um, in terms of, I think tactically we got it right. We we, we pressed them, um, you know, we pressed the pokeouts. We, we saw a weakness and and we went at it rather than letting them build from the back like some teams might. You know what I mean? Let them let them come out one line before we we pressed them. But I thought we were excellent from that point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Kevin McDonald, brilliant. Yeah. Like I wasn't expecting him to be hitting freeze, even though he's quite good at them. We would have saw him doing an underage and to to very good effect. Um, and it's, unfortunately, we don't have a clip of the goal because it was. Yeah. I think it's on PG four. I think it's on. I think they were Is down it? yesterday. And for anyone who's listening, um, if you're if you haven't seen it, just just look at it. The things he did yesterday, in fairness to the chap, you know, it was a super team effort. First off, let's say that it, like every single one of the lads were just super. You know what I mean? They were masters of their masters of their area. Like you have to say that. Like, but just picking out Kevin. Kevin was exceptional on the freeze. Um. Uh, struck him really well. He missed one, I think, in the second half over. Uh, I think it was just um, about 21 yards out on the sideline at the stand side of the field. I think he, he put one wide was all. 
Um, his goal was something special. I mean, you have to see it. He was he had his back to the goal. The ball broke out, ball in the square, and just with his back to the goal, flicked it. You know, another lad might have caught it, might have been turned and swallowed up, but he had the you know the little the bit of thinking to flick it. Um, also in the first half, I hope it shows as well. Um, uh, he was coming up for a ball around just actually in front of us, across on the terrace, um, in front of the old press box, and a ball popped up in the air. And rather than catching it and trying to hand pass it on, he got a call. And as he went up in the air, he, he palmed it forward very deliberately. It wasn't you know like he missed the catch very deliberately, and it created a scoring chance. I think it might be for Conor Keogh. I can't remember who it was, but we popped the ball over the bar. Excellent. Um, Kevin is so creative. Um, and I think you know, I think we were talking about myself and Stevie as well. That you know, it, it, he, he we probably kind of are, are so used to seeing him doing uh you know being so consistent you know what i mean we're, we're kind of we're so used to him that we're it's kind of nearly taken you know kind of just taken for granted but yesterday his creativity was was just was was excellent like you know you hit another crossfield ball for a score as well when he possibly could have hit his own the first half but played a better ball into a man in a better position as well and i just thought from as a creative spark there yesterday maybe when we were missing mouse and we needed you know we needed other lads to chime in and to, to really leave their mark in the game i i, I was really impressed by him yeah, all six forwards scored before half time, which was you know was great. I think Carlo scored more in the first half than possibly they did in the whole game last week. Yeah, yeah, and we had we, we had number like from I think six through to I don't I think Dean might have been the only oh, sorry Dean no uh, sorry from six up we scored um, um what do you call it Dermot got a point or, and uh, what do you call it? Jack got a point as well. So you know great spread of scores. Our, our scoring threat was was excellent. Um, you know, and even at that, like, you know, I suppose you can call it negative, right? Sometimes look at it as a positive, but like, I think we hit 15 or 16 wides over the hour. Um, you know, we hit a lot of wides, but the only thing about it is like, if you're hitting wides, you're creating chances. And, you know, I mean, right, some of them were poor wides, some of them, you know, were ones where you're under pressure or whatever else, but at least you're creating chances. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, our, we didn't we didn't cough up uh, like flipping back. We, we're talking about the creativity and the punch we had up up in the middle third and, and going forward. But our backs looked very solid as well yesterday. I mean, our full back line, you know, uh, the two dials and Connor Lawler were excellent. Like Connor had a big tussle in there with um, I think it was Niall Mitchell, isn't that Niall, number twelve? I think. Yeah. Um, you know, in on the edge of the square, and 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 you know, I, I think I think it, it kind of you know Connor loves that sort of a, a game. You know what I mean? A big a big man, a big physical threat like him. You know he, he can he likes tangling with him and in fairness to paul dial and, and michael dial were so mobile and so ready to, to to snap up the brakes um and i suppose our two you know com, coming further out the field then we had our two maybe two of our more experienced players in the half back line and jack Havner and dermot Byrne and dermot was just excellent from you know sweeping that half back line Um, you know anything that did come through the middle third he, he swept it up and uh he was excellent really really excellent and jack then like i said slapping over the point and you know a great score in the first half when we needed it. popped another one wide but like you, you know jack knows his range in doctor in, in netwatch cullen and um he was right to have a go at it but he was excellent and you could see the steady hand you know what i mean he gave he, you know he gave us he was real steady back in that half back line along with you know and jack mccullough as we know was just excellent as well so i, I think you know i think from a carlo point of view it was probably as, as a complete performance as we've given in a long in you know in a long number of years really in terms of, of things and i suppose credit to the lads too i think tactically they got it right uh you know not that they often get it wrong or anything, but tactically i thought they got it very right you know having john michael in the edge of the square i think was a good move um because i think it drew kind of tommy dial i know angus Clark would not would something would hurl six and tommy dial would hurl Sometimes, uh, you know, some uh, Tommy Dyle hurl uh, centre back as well, like he did last year. And Angus Clark could sometimes move out to the middle of the field. But I think yesterday, having John Michael in on the edge of the square, it meant that they, were, they had to kind of keep Tommy Dyle back there, you know, keep him pinned back. So I think they got it right, very right tactically as well. So I think fair, fair play to the lads as well, you know, they did, did an excellent job. Yep, 100%. So uh, attention now turns to Kerry. Um, so it'll be Sunday weekday, 27 to Feb, uh, half 12, Netwatch Cullen Park. And yeah, it's going to be a great game as well. Um, you'd be hoping home advantage to stand to us on that, but we'll we'll probably chat about that. I'd say closer to the time. Um, but yeah, great great performance and, and well done to the lads. So we now turn our attention to Camogie and uh, obviously yesterday in the Ashburn Cup final was win for DCU. Plenty of Carlo representation. Seamus Kelly and Seamus O'Brien involved from the management side, uh, but also in terms of uh, the playing side of things, Katie Gary Murphy of Nave Breed and Catherine Kavna 
of Monet Surrenders in the goal. So I had a little chat with the, the two ladies earlier. They took a, a bit of time out of their celebrations to speak to us. So uh, let's hear what they had to say. Now on the left wing back show, we turn our attention to Komogi and delighted to be joined by Katie Gary Murphy and Catherine Kavna. Um, members of a successful Ashburn Cup winning team with, with DCU um, over the weekend. Uh, first of all, congratulations to both Ian. Thanks for taking the time to uh, have a chat with us. Um, I know lots of celebrations are in are in full swing and uh, we promise not to take up too much of your time. Um, but um, you must be buzzing, obviously. Yeah, no, well, sure. When we started the competition, really, this year, like, oh, imagine we got to the Ashburn again or imagine we got to a semi-final, like, so we were complete underdogs through the whole thing. So to come out with a cup at the end of it, like it's just the most hard work thing to like get what you worked for is just so rewarding or something. And the girls are all mad for it down there, so might as well go hard at it. <laughs> and um, it sounded like I'm not going to take the manner of victory away, but it sounded like you were kind of comfortable for the line share of the game. But um, you, had, you had a lot of work done beforehand, like. Yeah, I like, look. The the lads did their research. Um, you know, we knew we knew what kind of what to expect. Um, I don't think we expected. I well, know we did expect the performance that we brought. Um, you know, we had a a bit of work to to you know make up for losing to UCD um the first round. Um, but look at the girls are super. Um, you know, couldn't have asked for a more complete performance. Um, I think than what than what we got yesterday. And in the end, I think it was thirteen points. So like that's that's quite a turnaround. In fairness, there was a lot of learning, I suppose, exercises uh, that you had to kind of take from that defeat and. Uh, you put it to good use on the day when it mattered the most. Yeah, exactly. Just you know, we like like I said, like we did our homework, um, and just to come out with that performance, uh, you know, it means the world to us. Yeah. So from your point of view, you're playing in the goal now. I don't really know you as a goalkeeper too much, but um, uh, how did that adaptation occur? Yeah, sure. Look, I don't know myself as a goalkeeper just yet. Um, I think I, I can't really use that excuse anymore, though. Um, sure, I've been in it here for the last what three, three and a half months. Yeah, like three and a half months. Um, yeah, look, I'm a, I'm a forward by trade, but uh, look, at Seamus gave me the opportunity to be on an Ashburn team in the goal, and they needed someone to do it, and I said, yeah, you know what, we'll, we'll give it a lash. And um, look, it was a big adjustment, um, you know, big change, but look, at it, uh, it worked out in the end. Yeah. So obviously, we had a large Carlo contingent, like not just yourselves, but. You mentioned Seamus there. Two Seamus is involved. Seamus Kelly, of course, and uh, Seamus O'Brien. Two more Leinster Rangers men um, combining, I suppose, to, to put this victory together. So um, I know definitely with Seamus Kelly, having worked with him before, like, he's coaching a long time. Seamus was was coaching even when uh, he was studying in DCU. So, uh, you know, he's got quite a CV and um, a better book, I suppose. Yeah, he spoke yesterday to us actually about his, like, he got a scholarship for coaching when he was in college and, like, how he was training first years and he actually like fell in love with it. So when he got a call about ten years later to come back in or that to come back in and train an Ashburn team, he was like, All he was told to do was to try to beat one of the three. You see, see where to UL, just try to beat one of them. So when we put three under a belt, look you can't knock Seamus. Everyone bought into what he brought and like look, the man is mad for it. I he actually has some grow up with the sport, so it was great to have someone so serious about it. And so serious about the girls. Because obviously at the end of the day, like Ashburn's Division 1, but like it could be seen less than for Fitzgibbon or Sigerson or the likes. So we see someone who takes us completely seriously. He brought such a good team with Roisin Green as well, and the, Tommy and Seamus, and, the, and there's Brian and Ambrose. Like he had such a good setup with him, like a well worked, well rounded team. Mm -hmm. And uh, the standard in general, I think, of the Ashburn seems to have risen in the last couple of years, along with Camogie in general. Um, it is really good now, and it's getting a bit more profile as well, I think. Yeah, if you're looking at like the CCAO posts and all, like it's actually Ashford for the whole weekend and DCU and everyone are really lapping into like, well, coming from an intermediate county, like these girls were training and we're playing against, they're all seniors and you're training with girls who are with the senior Kofenia, senior Wexford and like their, their standard of training all would be a lot higher than what you used to do. It's nice to go into like a developing situation where you're not used to, where you're kind of pushing on up that bit more. Mm -hmm. Like the standard of its class when you're tra training with something so good as that. And um, I suppose, uh, from your point of view, you weren't the only two Carla girls who were in action, I suppose, over the weekend. Um, we had we had plenty of others as well. Uh, maybe you'll name drop a few of those while we're at it, sure. If you're rude to leave anyone out, wouldn't it? Yeah, no, sure. You have, like, um, Rachel Breen and Kiva Collins up in um, the IT Sligo. They got to the semi-finals. Um, they were better in the week. Uh, Kira Kavna, Emma Cody, Eve Sinnott, they're all in the IT in Carlo. 
and they got bed after extra time as well unfortunately during the week and then Kibble all is in minute with the, they're in Ashburn team they didn't really get as well as they should but they're like new enough to the Ashburn team as well scene so their teams are really pushing on so they did well as well yeah so we've a, a litter of players all, all over the gaps as you but uh yeah, look, uh, while the celebrations will be tasty over the next few days, um, I take it, are you two involved with the Carlo Camogie setup this year? Or how are you yeah, doing? yeah. Yeah, so that's Saturday or Sunday, I think, against Armagh at home. Saturday, yeah, at home. Yeah, so um, hmm, that's going to be interesting over the next few days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, look, you have to enjoy these things. That's the most important thing, like, you know, because they are rare and they are special. So. Uh, I, it's not for me probably to say I'm not over the team or anything but uh, I would certainly say they're uh, you know almost once in a lifetime uh, so you kind of have to go and make the most of it and enjoy the celebrations so uh, look um, I suppose uh, they are there to be enjoyed and I'm not going to delay you too much longer I do appreciate <laughs> you taking the time to come on and have a chat with us here um, at the 11th hour and uh, Katie Gary Murphy and Catherine Kavanagh well done again. We're delighted for you. And Thanks, enjoy the celebrations and best luck next weekend. All right. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah, well done indeed. Um, fantastic stuff. Um, I'm just going to bring in Joe before we wrap up the uh, the end of the, the Harland show. Um, to just say thanks again. It was a, a very interesting debate there with uh, with Stevie. Uh, we could have went on for another bit of time with it, I think. Um, did we did we kind of so so alternatives whatever? I'm not quite sure, but it will ah. definitely be, not be the last um, sure we'll, we'll talk about it. It's a debate. Like, sure, look, it's ongoing, isn't it? You know, I suppose, like yeah. you said, we all have people. Are, anyone who's involved with teams with good intentions. You know what I mean? In terms of, you know, in terms of doing things as well. You know, and there's a lot of there's great people involved in GA, and that's why we love it. Do you know what I mean? That's it. And it's maybe just getting the fit for it. And, and just on that, uh, just to say, look, we uh, a bereavement there in Ballinkillen there um, over the weekend. Uh, Paddy Farrell, uh, who was part of the 1973 team. Uh, big as you know, you know him from from Lachlan, um, mm-hmm. Kevin, and uh, he passed away. And uh, look, our sympathies to the family. Paddy was a big, massive Ballinkillen supporter. Played with Ballinkillen. I was actually down there during the summer, and I went down and I was giving him a club jacket, you know, as a kind of a measure of thanks for the sponsorship and stuff. He he, he always always kept with the club, and um, he because uh, he brought down his jersey that he won his championship with nearly fifty years ago, and he said the jersey still fits him an old cloth jersey so that was a man talk about we're on about passion and what clubs mean mm-hmm. to people and, and connections and, and what the ga is about i think I, I saw no better example in a long long time than that man and, and his, continu- his continuation of his support for Ballinkillen and you know he's involved with writing the book as well so our sympathies to, to paddy's mm-hmm. family at this time and uh you know we, we, it's, it's a sad time for them and a big loss to our club as well absolutely we pass on our condolences john Olin, thanks a million Thanks, as always. Take care. And that concludes the hurling show in association with Solar Signs. Mm-hmm.